Welcome, dear listener, to the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. My name is Alon. And my name's Aura, and I'm full of eggs and bacon. We did eat a lot tonight. And sausage. Yeah. And I just found out that you can get high from eating all of these things at once. If at the right location, like the CD Waffle House we go to, uh, yeah, I am <laughs> not think, surprised. You think something might have been in the air? Yes, yes, perhaps. Have you heard of that new drug called Molly? Is it really new, I, or I mean, is it really old? It's it's new to me. It's a, t- it's a form of ecstasy, apparently. Yeah. See, I don't know that much about it, other than there's a song, and I know what ecstasy is, and I don't know if this is supposed to be like a new ecstasy or like... The, like the the uh, the Heisenberg version of ecstasy. It's pretty much the pure version. Some special version. I don't know. I don't. I don't do the drugs. So, what do I know? Where are we going with this? I don't. Think I we're don't know. Going. For some reason, like I think I just read about it this morning, so it was on on the top of my mind. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's go into. I mean, hell, direction. you started off with eggs. Fair enough, and I did start the drug references. Okay, so lots happened this week. I was not expecting a lot to happen. But then Sony starts talking, and things start breaking, all sorts of stuff. I, I don't know where we want to start. I, would, I really want to do the one that um, – well, we can start off with Sony, but we got to do the, all these crazy platforms because if we don't do it in this segment, we'll forget all about it. And then um, it could be eons before uh, we ever cover the topic again. Okay. Well, then I will jump right in by telling those who don't already know that Sony had a little press conference this week. Uh, in Japan, and they broke news of a couple of things. First of all, a new Vita form factor, not a big deal, just a little like slimmer version, just like the PSP had a slimmer version come out, and then a third version after that. Uh, but they're also, more interestingly, releasing, and way before it comes out in the U.S., releasing essentially a Vita in a box for your TV that yeah. uses a DualShock 3 controller and assumes that you own one already. Uh, well, you can get one by itself, or you can get one with the controller if you don't have the controller already. Yeah, which is actually good, because most people who buy it probably do have a PlayStation 3. And this is interesting because... So we have PS4 games. We have Vita games. And with and the PS4, they can stream video from the PS4, or the PS4 that streams video to the Vita. You could do that. So we have PS3 games that are also on Vita and that I can also now play on my TV, the Vita version, like the PS3 version, but not. So I can buy the Dragon's Crown on Vita and play it like my PS3, but it's, I guess, not going to be as good. And, oh, wait, there's no touching interface. Yes. So there's no touchscreen anymore. And so this is – a lot of people have been very surprised by this, and I'm a little surprised. But I'm mostly really excited because – and I have no interest in the product whatsoever. I'm excited because now I thought we had a unprecedented blockbuster deluge of new platforms, which is the topic that we have been keeping until now. And this is yet another platform to basically uh, hurt all the other new platforms that are trying to make some money. You say that, but not really. I mean, it's like saying the 2DS is a new platform compared to the 3DS. It's not. It's the same games. I mean, obviously, some won't run, and there's implications there. But Yeah, but this is – no, but it is – this is different because people who have – who do not have the Vita and cannot afford it can now – basically put themselves into the Vita market for a hundred bucks. I so, feel like it's more likely this is for people who already have the Vita and want to play it on their TV. Well, I think nobody's really sure who this is actually for, You know, but what? I think Sony is just, Oh, well uh, I guess we can do this and it could net more sales. So let's do it. So you know how Microsoft was going to allow people to play games on the Xbox one without the disc. And you just have to be able to log on, on log on online so that you can't have multiple copies running on systems everywhere. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I wonder how this is going to do it. Because a lot of Vita games are just downloadable. You download them through the PS3, hook them onto your Vita, and then you don't actually buy a 
you know, a, a, whatever it's called, a card or, or whatever, where the game is actually stored on a, on a medium. Good question. So what if I, as a user, buy the game through my PS3 or 4, and then I put it on my Vita, can I also put it on my Vita TV? You know what? If I do, There's actually nothing I've read that indicates that that would be so. That you could or could not. That you could do that. I mean, you're, there's nothing that affirms that you can do that, that I've read. I suspect you'll be able to. Well, I mean, it would be nice, but it would also be deliciously confusing if that were not the case. But so, like, I'm guessing you can still download it through your PS3 and yeah. run it on your TV. But I th- then I wonder if you I can think, run it on multiple devices simultaneously. Well, that's the thing. I think that um, we don't know that yet, what you just said, if that's true. If you can actually buy it off of another console and then play it on this Vita TV thing. Well, I bet it would be the same way as just like the problem is that I don't have experience with this and I don't know what sort of protections they have, but you probably can't buy one now and put it on two different Vitas. And if that's the case, I'm sure they would treat the Vita TV the same as they would just a second Vita. Well, it's got a cartridge slot, so we know that Vita cartridges will work. Yeah. Or whatever you want to call those uh, stamp sized, easily, easy to uh, accidentally eat uh, tiny little things. Um. But look, the thing the thing that I'm fascinated by is that, okay, so this is just a little like icing on the cake wrinkle for me. The real news is that we know about Oya, right? Oya is about to be joined by one, two, three, four, five, six additional platforms. I thought we were up to seven. Well, six plus one is seven. No, but before before the Vita TV, I thought we were at seven. No, no. If you include Vita, now that's eight Vita TV. That would be neat. that would make it eight. Okay, so is seven including the Ouya? Seven, eight is including everything. Okay, seven is in- right. excluding one of them of your choice. <laughs> All right, minutia unimportant. <laughs> so, the Ouya is already out. We yeah, that. I, I want to run one through of, these. One of them is like the Game Stick. Okay, yes, right? there is Game Stick, which now... Which might be released right now, actually. Very soon, if not out already. This is... I just want to run through them, and then we'll talk about a couple of them uh, in specific. Because here's the crazy thing, okay? Oya, its own discrete platform. It only runs games made for Oya. Okay, even, even though, though it's, it's just an it's, Android. Even though it's just Android. Game Stick, same thing. Discrete platform, discrete store... You have to develop for GameStick if you want to make a GameStick game. That is uh, the price leader at seventy nine bucks. By the way, now there's something else called Game Pop, and that's the same deal: discrete platform, discrete store interface, and uh, oh, it costs one hundred and thirty bucks. And oh, you also have to buy a subscription. It's a subscription based service. But aren't the games all free or something? And well, yeah, you don't buy the games; you buy the subscription. And they're going to boast uh, 500 games at launch, which uh, I, I want to come back to. That sounds insane. Now, there's more. There's Mojo, which is which one is this? This might be all right. One of these is Nvidia, and the other one of these is Mad Cats. So Mojo, this is the crazy thing about Mojo. This one doesn't have its own discrete platform. This just piggybacks off of the regular Google Play slash Amazon store. But the game still has to be developed for Mojo in order to support its controller interface. Yeah, that's fine. Which means that you'll see Mojo products in the store that you won't know. It's just another thing that has a chance to confuse people, which I Wait, that, that really is already confusing. I, yes. If Android games are already compatible with controllers, why would the Mojo be so special? No, no. They are not already compatible with controllers necessarily. I mean, they could be. There's, we'll get to that. There's actually there's another wrinkle that will make that even more interesting. But then there's Shield, which is $299. You know what? I think that this one's is the, Razor. This is the NVIDIA one. Or NVIDIA. Yeah. Yeah. And also, same deal as Mojo. So in other words... Uh, they just use the same old uh, Android store that we've got, but uh, you have to be developed for Shield if you want to run it on the Shield with the controller and so on. So now having gone through all those, there's actually uh, three other crazy things happening. Two of these are game pads only that are for Android, 
but it's just like a platform because you have to use their SDK and you have to integrate their SDK into your game if you want to support if the game is the game is to support that controller. So it's it's not a console; it's just a controller. Yeah, to run just, with a phone, right? Or an Android device, any Android device. But if your app, well, any Android device that can buy a game, <laughs> yeah, it's compatible. It's right, like not the Ouya. Right, but right, you have to. The developer of that whatever app or game had to have uh, integrated and developed. Uh, their product with the SDK to use these pads. One of them is called Green Throttle, and it's like a $40 pad. So this is an act. They just sell you the controller, and uh, you have to basically buy Green Throttle pad developed or compatible games. Then there's another one called Moga, which makes it even more confusing by giving you two options, a $30 price point and a $50 price point, and that's the same deal. And you thought I was done, but no, I'm not. But wait, what are the two different price points do? Uh, nobody knows. It's just something. Something less of more, some less, less of something more, something else. I don't know. You can go look it up. So choose your price, 30 40 50 79 99 129 299 Then after all this, there's another product called Archos, which is actually the only one I think is any good because all this is, this is not a new platform, unlike all of these. Archos is making, and they have patented a Android-based handheld that actually has buttons on it like the Vita, right? So touchscreen and buttons, and they have a patented software that you can use physical controller buttons to touching certain regions on the touchpad. So basically, like, the A button is the same as putting your finger here. Exactly. And that is... We'll be right back. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. And we're back. You are still listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Don't want you to forget, by the way, we have a Facebook page, slash Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Our website is just chatterboxers.com, or Chatterbox Game Show. It's the real one. Chatterboxgameshow.com. Uh, and of course, we are sponsored by the wonderful University of Advancing Technology, whose website is uat.edu. So if you want to go to school, go to that website. So we're talking about all of these different platforms. We ended up talking about what I would call the Arcos... Not you the can. Archos? You may. Hey, you know what? It's a. It's a fool who knows uh, less than uh, two ways to pronounce a word. Yeah, I guess so. So, um, I'm wondering: is this, is this the, the company Arcos just creating a new yeah. product? Yeah. And I, I can't believe that they got the patent on this because this is. It's such an obvious idea. Yeah, that this is like cold. Why, why didn't I not get that patent? Why did I not think of that first? Yeah. I'm well, not as smart as they are. Anyway, that's good. But like, and what's weird is any one of these ideas isn't so bad. Like the Ouya has its place, and all of these special controllers. Yes, it's the fact that they're all happening at the same time. Yeah, doing them all together means I am not interested in buying any of them. I don't want to develop for any of them. If I do develop for them, I'm just going to develop, you know, for the one that's the most popular, and not waste my time on all the others. This fragmentation is ridiculous. And this, by the way is what happens when you have a platform that is totally open. So on one hand, I appreciate Google for building Android in this way. On the other hand, oh my God, this is why Apple is so much easier to use because 
you just don't have this fragmentation like Windows and, and Android where everybody is doing their own thing and you never can count on what's going to work and what sort of hardware do you need and this. And it took years, years for the PC market to sort of come together and be like, okay, we have these graphics cards and you don't need to have 20 different cards in place and they're all pretty much going to work the same and have software that makes them run the same and you'll just know if one is better than the other. But for the most part... We'll have development software and we'll have hardware that kind of work in harmony and no big deal. You know what? But we're refragmenting now. Yeah, but I, I'm, I love this and I'm sure uh, you know, God is also totally okay with it uh, when he invented natural selection. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess. This is just survival but, of the fittest. There, we're yeah, gonna but it's f- the fittest marketing budget. It's not the fittest product. Mm, uh, touche, perhaps. Yeah. But the, you know what? I should say, by the way, that that's, Arcos, your favorite here, historically, has they don't, had pretty low build quality, that's, in my opinion. Well, you know, that I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking to myself, you know, I I just hope they make an actual good product because they have the patent and they're the only one who can do this now. Well, I mean, they can let other people use their patent. That's well, not an issue. They can sell it, right? Yeah. Or like, you, you can license exclusive, non-exclusive, whatever. Yeah. Um, the Shield... I trust is going to be a quality piece of hardware that just no one will use because it's really awkward. Yeah, the Shield is actually supposed to be far and away the most powerful hardware, and it's also far and away the most expensive. Isn't it still a Tegra 3? Oh, or I don't... finally stop I, up to the Tegra 4? I think it's 4, but I, I really don't know a whole lot about okay. uh, Tegra. I don't have enough For Tegra. those who don't know, the Shield is this weird thing where it is a screen, you know, and processing <laughs> unit, whatever... But it has a controller physically attached in the screen. Yeah. Like it pops up. It's kind of like if you were using the 3DS, but the bottom half was just controller and the top half was just screen. That's that's what the shield is. I don't know that I've even seen pictures of the real thing. I've seen like pictures of mock-ups or whatever. Yeah, it looks a little awkward, but so it's like it's not something you would bring with you in your pocket. It's not something you would easily pack away in like a backpack or something. It's like, where would you play this thing? If I'm playing it at home, I'm going to be using either a PC or a console. Yeah. You'll put it in a very large pocket. I do have to say that what one thing I do like is this game stick, its form factor is really cute. Oh, yeah. So it's basically a USB stick. Yeah. Except instead of a USB connector, it's actually an HDMI connector. So you just plug it into your HDMI on your TV. Isn't the game stick the one that actually sits inside of a controller yes. that connects to and, it? And so then it's a you controller can... and the television, but you're not buying the television right well it actually you can stow it away for storage in the controller yeah which is part of their selling point that to me i mean it depends on the build quality it's cute it's cute idea i like the idea the thing that i'm completely shocked about is game pop They're, they're doing something more that i haven't said but first of all so they're advertising that they're going to have 500 games at launch I do not see this as a plus. Yeah, it's going to be is, a bunch of crap. Is there... Well, it's got to be whatever whatever is already in the store, right? Well, n- well, nobody knows because it's, it's its own platform. So it's not whatever's in the store. They have to have their own stuff. But here's the crazy thing. 500 games... Think about this, right? Think about... It's like the, it's like the old thing, right? Is there such thing as too much? How much is too much? I think 500 is too much. If they said, like, 50 games at launch, I was like, you know what? 50 games, that's a really good variety of selection. I feel like I could uh, probably find something I wanted in 50 games. But when they say 500, all I think about is how long it will take for me to swim through these 500 games, 90% of which I know won't be good. It's just it's more trouble. It sounds like more trouble. I just than don't even know how they would get that many, except if they're just going after normal Android games and then just convincing the developers to make a slightly different version. Perhaps, and they very well may be doing that. And maybe it's easy for some developers to do that. So maybe we'll see a lot more games in all of these platforms than we thought. But here's the truly, truly crazy thing. Apparently, by the way, there's something called the Game Pop Mini. Of course, there a would new be. device for six ninety nine multi- monthly subscriptions. Yes, more confusion. Yeah. Now, if you weren't confused enough, guess how Game Pop is going to pay developers? Um, based on how 
many minutes people play their games? Yes! Okay, I knew I read that somewhere. Maybe on the piece of paper in front of you. Don't remember. Think about that. Think about how your behavior as a game designer, as a product designer, would change if you knew that you would be paid strictly according to how much time a player spends in your game. Really long intro? Oh, but we don't have to stop there, do we? A lot of slow dialogue. You're, I mean, you're going to be like that kid who's who's like, do I double space or do I two and a half space? Do I use a big font? Like, how do I get more pages out of this? You're going to be looking at tiny little ways you can make things take longer to happen. Yeah. What kind of game design is that? What kind of games are we going to see when uh, the optimal path for a developer is to elongate the experience, not to do anything about the quality of the time that's actually spent? Well, come on. I mean, building a quality game is how you ultimately get people to spend a lot of time in it. Yeah, but the two elements are not so clearly related. There's a lot of subtle stuff going on because it is certainly not true and you can just tell me if you disagree, but I would guess that even for you, the even for you, Alon, the games that you have spent the most time on, I do not think are necessarily the games that you think are the best games or even have had the most enjoyable experience with. Um, no, I mean, I think it's pretty closely related. The stuff I spend the most time on is the stuff that's good. I don't. I don't think there could. Like, some people will probably just try to mess around and have... Okay, well, you know, maybe you just pick exactly the experiences that are good for you and you love every second that you're playing, but I have had... No, there's plenty of games I play that I don't like. Yeah, I've played many games where it's dragged on longer, and I've been in a state, and I'm sure there's been millions of other people who have experienced this state, where... It's like the minimally compelling state. And, I, and even, even MMOs and stuff, I think, kind of already do this. Uh, some other games where they just give you enough just to minimally compel you to play a little more. And you can, you can, you can feel this inequity in your heart because you're playing, but after 20 hours, then you ask yourself, what have I been doing? And we've been over this, so I don't want to dwell on it. Well, but, it also lends itself to abuse because you know how much people can just rig things to happen oh yeah it's so it's so jacked like i could buy a bunch of these consoles and then just have the game running right why not yeah i mean look there's already farms and stuff in china doing those kinds of things that nobody wants to do so why wouldn't there be that sort of thing for this why wouldn't a developer just hire a bunch of people pennies well, someone can probably just to play their product a constantly. simulator yeah. to like go into whatever network and tell their tell their systems that the game pop is running. Yeah. Oh, this when is it's so not really running. This is so dangerous. Yeah. Ooh. Or just leave it leave it on. I'm sure they're going to have some attempts to work around it, but it's not going to work. You know, I I really wish this is like impossible data to obtain. I really wish we knew we could compare all the top selling games to like how much time has been spent in them. That would be interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's hard to argue that the games that are good get more play time. No, no, no. That is, I'm not arguing against that. What I'm saying is that there certainly can be the other, the opposite situation where a game is not good, but you're just barely compelled to play it. And then at the end, you feel remorse for having spent so much time more than you felt well, like Well, before you said the remorse bit, I was going to confirm. Yeah, that definitely happens. Crappy <laughs> games get played by people all the time. Just look at sports games. But um, the, the remorse part, I don't know. I don't know that most people feel bad about playing video games like you and I after we play games that were not worth our time. But uh, you especially, you are ready to quit on a game five minutes in. So I'm not worried that you're spending too much time on games that are bad. Yeah, and how, how ironic is that, that I, I do that, but then, uh, you know, I'd play Disgaea for 200 plus hours for each installment and uh, still feel like uh, I should have better spent my time. Yeah, I don't, there's some things. Like Minimally whatever. compelling. This is what, this is the phenomenon. Wait, okay. I thought you loved that game. Well, that's the thing. You love some parts of it, but then there's just enough that you love just barely enough just to play a little more to see what happens. It's just that, just that just once you're over that threshold, just, you can be barely – here's the thing. You can be barely over that threshold to be motivated to play and yet still not have a quality 
experience compared to other things. Okay. Well, we'll be right back. the break we were talking about basically uh games that aren't very good games that aren't good that get you to play anyway but you play anyway yeah now just prior to the show ara asked me to play the demo for the new and i suppose if it's on the 360 and there's a demo that it's released right yeah totally released yeah so the new mickey mouse castle of illusion which by the way is not like the previous topic because i made you play it I coerced um, you to play it. Yeah. So <laughs> But it was for the show, so there's not a lot of coercion involved. Yeah. So let's let's remind ourselves about the original Mickey game. So you just finished making Power of Illusion. Yeah, and by just I mean about like a year ago. Yeah. Well, you know, on the grand scheme. So you you made Power of Illusion, but that was years and years and years, decades in fact, after the original, if I'm correct, Castle of Illusion. And right, and what was the sequel? Something else of illusion. Oh, there were some other. There was a world of illusion game. World of illusion. But there was, but castle. Castle was something really special to me. So Did you talking, ever play castle? I think so, but I never really owned a Genesis, so I didn't put a ton of time into any Genesis yeah. games. But for the Genesis, so there was Castle of Illusion, and then there was Wonder of Illusion, and then like no Mickey Mouse for years. World of illusion. World. What did I say? Power. Wonder. Wonder. World. Okay. So there's, there's a lot castle, of illusions that can easily get mixed up. And then world, and then two decades go by. You make the next one. Yeah, there might have even been a third one. Actually, it's really it's hard for me to keep track of because there was there was a duck. There was a you know there was a anyway. I don't want to com- complicate okay. things. There anymore. were certainly Disney games. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, there was a few. Let's just say there okay. was a few. So now, just like they are remaking the Ducktales game, Capcom is remaking that. Uh, I don't think this was Capcom. This was Sega, right? This was, yeah, this was a, a division of Sega. But here's the thing is that, as I understand it, the DuckTales remake was truly just a straight-up redo. Yeah. Like the same game. Graphics. The same game, yeah, look different, but same, like, level designs and so on. This is actually, this is really queer. This is like a spiritual remake? Because it, it's still called Castle of Illusion. It's the same game. And it has conceptually all of the same things that were in the original. So beginning forest, there's a forest. The boss is the same boss. There's the uh, section where the apple is rolling down the hill and chasing you. And that was all in the original. But it all played completely differently in the original. Yeah, because this, this really makes use of 3D... You're like going in and out of the screen. Um, certainly, building it in 3D means the character moves differently now. Well, a lot of the levels are still 2D platforming, but there are some 3D 3D movement sections, and those those really infuriate me. But um, that's okay because the 2D platform 2D platforming it looks 3D. The platforming parts uh, infuriate me anyway. But the the first game also. And it's been a long, long time. But yeah. if I remember correctly, your character was smaller on the screen. So you saw a lot more level and less Mickey. And Am I right about that? That's really interesting because um, I think if you went – generally that's true. But I think it's – well, it's hard to say because there's different – it's hard to say because I don't know. I'm not <laughs> sure. It's been a but long time. I certainly, pull up a YouTube it certainly video. feels that way. And I do feel like a lot of 3D games jack that up. Well, I mean, like, back in the day... By doing what you said, right? In the yeah, in the old games, they were built for gameplay, so you 
get a view where you can see what you're doing. I don't even know. I think it might have just been limitations where sprite size was limited. Well, yes. And that, that also helped things for sure. A lot of these 3D games, and I don't know if this is a main, this is a good example of this, but yeah, they'll, they'll, they want you to see the character better, so they'll actually squeeze the camera in closer, which means that you can actually not see your surroundings as well. That's rather endemic, I think, of a lot of modern games. Yeah, but this particular game, you're zoomed in so close, and then it makes the control, I don't know if it's because of the zoom in, but the control is crap. This is really interesting. And this is the very first thing I said about this game. Yeah. What Sonic this is funny because I'm thinking now like the Sonic 4 game which was also a Sega game had this same bizarre input lag and the thing that makes me feel like I'm even more crazy than I normally am is that I'm reading reviews and discussions about this game and there's several this game has not gotten great reviews and I don't think it should so that is fair. But a lot of these reviews who are knocking the game are saying, look, the controls are laggy. And I see people responding to those reviews saying, no, this reviewer is wrong. The controls are not laggy. So how do we resolve this? Because either somebody is making up stuff, which I don't think is happening, or – and this is kind of scary. It's your LCD, man. It's delaying. Well, there is that. But then again, right, I also play other platformers on the same screen with no discernible lag. I I, I mean, it could be in the way that they're rendering. It could be – I'm sure LCD contributes to it because there's, you know, there's, there's a non-zero amount of lag in that. Uh, it could be the way they draw stuff on the screen. It could be just something they, else they jacked up. But th- the phenomenon is there. And it scares me to think that there are people who – maybe I shouldn't think too much about this. But yeah, some people just can't tell is what I'm left to conclude. Some people that actually cannot discern input lag and think it's fine. I actually didn't see input lag in this. What I saw was, uh, for lack of a better descriptor, like output lag. (laughs) I. What well, I mean look, by that is same difference to me. Well, no, I I could tell that the character be, began doing whatever he was going to do based on my input yeah. immediately when I pressed the button yeah. or pushed the directional pad or whatever. The problem is that the process in getting him to do what I wanted him to do has a certain lag from when the character starts it to when he gets to what I want or that he does it in too much of an exaggerated way. So, like, um, what my perfect example is it's a 3D Mickey model right even if it's a 2d uh, gameplay right um it's a 3d model and for whatever reason they chose to animate him when he's switching from facing one direction to the other so he like his whole body rotates which means when i'm moving from left to right i have to wait for this animation to happen of him rotating so i can see that happening as soon as i press the button the problem is he's not actually moving in the direction i want him to move because he's busy animating you know what's funny the game that came out after Castle of Illusion that had Mickey in it, Fantasia, which we didn't mention, uh, actually had the exact same gameplay artifact, but was just completely pure 2D implementation. So they just added sprites in for the rotation? They the just character. wanted you to see Mickey rotate. Yeah, so it's probably the, the silly art rules that are Disney-based. Well, we didn't have to make Ricky rotate. That's what, all I have to say. What's strange, <laughs> what's strange is when he's in the air, that doesn't happen. There's no uh, rotation animation. Um, I'm guessing they believe that when the character's in the air, you need more direct input. Well, actually, I think that they probably couldn't pull it off visually in the air, so they resorted to snapping it, which is what you should be doing anyway because you want to be able to have that instantaneous response. Yeah. Honestly, I bet you could, when walking, have the rotation as well as the the immediate response is you just can. a quest. You, you can. just have to let the animation happen while the character's moving instead of making the animation happen before moving. Exactly. Him. Actually, you, you've touched upon a uh, really critical topic, right? What you're suggesting is what they should do. You should decouple the animation from the dynamics. The problem is, is that most of these games that are made these days in terms of gameplay dynamics, the gameplay dynamics are tightly coupled and dependent upon the idiosyncrasies of the animations if you put on top of that the unfortunate reality that most artists who make games 
make their art, in other words, they do their character animations and gameplay, and they optimize it for viewing, not for gameplay dynamics. And what you end up with is a game that looks great, that plays like molasses. And that is endemic of most games these days. To translate what Ara said there, (laughs) it's that Disney cares more about how their characters look because they're all about visual than they care about how the game plays. Yeah, but you know what the funny thing is? Is It's not Disney. It's every single publisher. Yeah, well, Disney is especially harsh here. I I agree. I don't know the history of the development of this game, so I can't necessarily blame it on Disney, but it probably has something to do with it. And um, what I was saying while playing it is that I don't think a company, and of course this is the idealistic Elan coming out, right? I don't think a company should get into a medium, and that is to say video games, if they're not willing to make the necessary concessions to make their product work in that medium, right? So if we're going to make games, we need the games to be primary, and the visual may need to sacrifice, even if traditionally, like in the 100-year history of Disney, traditionally we're all about a visual art form. For games, that might need to sacrifice well, to I some degree. I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah. And it's just, it's silly. And it, what's weird is they snap in the, the character snaps in the air, meaning moves instantly left or right when you, when you change the, the direction you want it moving in the air. But they do it too much. And now I'm starting to wonder if they had an animation built in, but in order to make it work, they took out the animating part and just put him on like as if the animation had completely happened. So then he jumps like you're in the air because you jumped and then you snap to either you know the left or the right opposite direction you were facing but too much so yeah the lateral the air movement is very extreme isn't it yeah but it's like you pop over yeah like well you don't just pop over right because you also pop upward there's that too i am less sensitive to that than you are but there's there's well keep going but there's i have theories about why this has ended up the way it has but so what i'm saying here is you jump in the air and it's a platform game. It's really important that you have precise control. If you jump in the air facing left and then you turn to the right, then you actually move over so far to the right when the character does this like popping over that you've then missed the platform that you meant to land on, which was immediately to your right yeah, when you jumped. It's, it's hard to modulate. Yeah, and it's, it's really difficult. It's very, very non unexpectedly non-linear uh, jumping controls, wouldn't you say? Uh, I'm not exactly sure what you mean. Well, it's it doesn't feel linear. It goes it's too it's more it's more input than you meant to put in or it's always less input than you meant to put in. It it definitely I'm I'm constantly feeling like I have to adjust what I really want to do to make it work with the game knowing that it does all these weird yeah. things. When I feel when I feel that way, I just say uh, the controls feel non-linear. Okay. We'll be right back. Are you going to find a master of science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu. And we are back once again, Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Okay, so we were talking about Mickey. I was complaining about a snapping jump, and. Um, 
Yeah, I, there was some other stuff I wanted to talk about with Mickey. Uh, yeah, you, let's let's get into a lot the, more. Let's get into the intricacies of the jumping. Let me tell you my very first impression, just real quick, because I'm going to forget. Okay. My very first impression, I go, th- you know, watch the animation at the be- not the animation, like the storyline at the beginning, yeah. which is all 2D art with narration. Yeah. Did you like that? How did you feel about that? Well, I was thinking to myself, this is Disney. They care a lot about the looks, and the art is actually not impressive at all. It's not that good. And Disney is totally capable of being impressive. And then you get into the game, and it's 3D models, and it actually looks much nicer and cleaner than the 2D, which, you know, from a technical standpoint, is very easy to make look clean and nice, and they didn't. So that was weird to me. Um, what also was weird is that he's always smiling, and he's, like, in a state of... <laughs> the whole thing is he's trying to rescue Minnie, and I, I, I swear that he looks, like, worried and upset in the other games, like, for the Genesis and stuff. And in this one, he's just always this smiling model that sort of takes me out of the game because he doesn't fit the storyline that's being shoved down your throat with this narrator. There was, I, I have a sense that there was a, Disney is very concerned about Mickey's expression, okay? And my sense is that they probably were trying to be so careful to not present something that Disney would say no to that they probably went overboard in the other direction. Yeah. It was really weird, though, because you can do so much with expression. It's all about putting life into this character. Yeah. And they didn't at all. Yeah. At least in the demo, right? But, I mean, the, the demo is a significant portion of the game. You can get, like... If the game has 800 crystals in it and you can get 60 of them in the demo, at least. It's actually supposed to be a very short game. People have said they've gone through it in like a couple hours. And like a couple meaning like the strict definition. Yeah. Like I think the demo is almost 10% of the game. Well, it may be. And I was able to go through it in five minutes. So Now what's funny is the intro for me, the only impression I was left with was uh, – Oh my God, not another English accent narrator. And then on top of that, uh, this is a world record winning longest possible exposition to explain the story of Castle of Illusion that I could ever, beyond even my own imagination. But it happens while you're moving. Because... Or you're talking about the intro. No, the intro, not the gameplay. The intro definitely goes on and on. Because... That entire sequence, every single element of that was illustrated in the Genesis version in about, I don't know, let's say 30 seconds or less. And this thing, I mean, I don't, I, like, I don't know who he's talking to, this English guy, but apparently he really feels like he has to go on and on and on about why you're going in the castle and what's in the castle and these all these gems and these, these are all the colors and let's just make sure that you know what your intentions are lest you forget. I actually don't know if he's English. I think he might be making that up. Look. He might be an American narrator. Look, he's got an English-sounding accent, doesn't he? We'll, we'll have to check it out after the show because I don't remember being English. One of us is wrong. One of us is wrong, but it sounds English to me, but then again... Apparently, I have some some sort of very unique distaste for these narrators that nobody else shares <laughs> because I'm the only one who's complaining no, about it. I'm pretty okay with narrators. I don't, some of the stuff he said in this one was a little bit silly. And it's not just narration per se, and I've talked about this before. But yes, you wanna, do you remember the line about the stupid Apple contest? I don't remember the, spe- the exact wording, but <sighs> I remember like – so in this game, you collect apples, which are used as ammunition, right? You throw apples like a rock at right. a character. As you did in the original. Yeah. So it's sticking to that theme. Yeah. But he's like, knowing that he would need something to defend himself, Mickey re- remembers uh, like how he won the apple-throwing contest or something yeah. like yeah. that. It's, it's apparently, how it's he a, was good at the apple-throwing contest. Yeah. The annual Apple throwing oh, contest. Yeah, the, it's annual. Like, annual let's let's add annual. more adjectives because that makes the uh, narrative deeper, doesn't it? So, yeah. so explaining this, you why know, he's throwing stuff at things. I was really offended when I heard that because there is no annual apple throwing contest. Mickey does not have any special skill about throwing apples. That's just what you do in the game. Stop making well, up stories. Well, his apples do fly quite straight. 
So I would say that he's it's in the script. It. They're allowed <laughs> to. You don't have to. This is my point. Is you don't have to have an exposition, strictly speaking, to explain why you're throwing apples. It does not necessarily make the whole thing better. It's like it's like creative writing when you know really bad creative writing when they just try and find more different words to say the same thing over and over again. Yeah, yeah. That's what it Tim, feels Tim like. Tim from Insert Credit does that. Yeah, that's what it feels <laughs> like. And actually, this is rather endemic of a lot of uh, press writing too, unfortunately. So that – okay. So there's that thing. Is there okay. more Mickey we want to talk about? Yeah, I'm not done yet. I, we haven't even gone to the jumping yet. Okay, look. We go to the jumping – and then we'll we'll leave at least a few minutes for the other last one. But, okay. okay, I already talked about jumping. No, 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 no. I'm going to go into oh, this with, of the with depth you have not yet seen. Okay. Okay. So here's the f- okay. So the way Mickey jumps. First of all, let's just talk about the vertical height. It's and, quite high, but that's not uncommon for yeah, a platform. I'm not just talking about the height though; just the whole dynamic, right? So he pops up really fast. Yeah, it's weird. He pops up so fast that he's, this jump skips more frames just because uh, TVs cannot display this many frames than I've ever seen any jump in the history of characters jumping in a video Can game. Can I tell you, I noticed that when I first jumped with him, and yeah. I was going to say something about it, but I thought to myself, no, Ara's just going to say I'm dumb. Ah, uh, see, you should have said something. Because I totally was going to say, I was like, it looks like he just sort of pops up there but the more i did it the more i was like i was okay with it and i was just like eh, i'm being silly whatever well I'm it definitely sh- seems like he jumps up real fast and then the last third of his jump yeah. happens in the time that the first two thirds happen mm, maybe perhaps so here's why i think they did it i think this was deliberate and i think that it was a um attempt to address gameplay gameplay problems perhaps a poor attempt so I'm just completely speculating here. I'm going – I'm just going to go off off the deep end. I think that this is the kind of edit that a development team would make if they found that people were inadvertently uh, while jumping running into things and getting hurt because they didn't have enough vertical height because they were jumping too late. Because of the lag. Or, well, possibly. Or – because maybe otherwise uh, they're not able to they're not able to modulate horizontally where they're going, and so they just jump too late anyway because they they think that uh, they're just not good at doing that right. So one way, one easy way to make sure that uh, people don't run into things by accident or jump too late, regardless of the cause, is uh, just make them get up there as fast as you can, and that way you'll have the most amount of time to bounce on something on the way down. And I think that's the exact same thing they did with the horizontal air movement at right after the apex of the jump because what do you do if you want to make a very stupid concession if people aren't able to make jumps? Well, just when you press right after you jump, even if you're poorly modulating it, you just make Mickey fly horizontally faster. And that way you'll get less people missing jumps. Of course, if you have to make a precise jump, that goes out the window and that makes it much worse, doesn't it? Yeah, it's – the control is just not good. The control is not good. And the fact that it's Sega, which correlates to the the new Sonic games, which have the worst control of any platforming game I've ever come across, um, is, I guess, not surprising. But it's strange. I was trying to think of it. Is it like – do they just program it differently than other people? When you press a button, a different thing happens. Is it because the animation? Is it? I don't know, understand enough about programming a character and making it move like that. I've done a little bit of it, so like I kind of get it. It could be. It's either in the animation, or it's in the rendering, or it's in your TV, or it's some combination of all the three. Because sometimes the rendering can take so long because they have so many passes of rendering that that can increase uh, lag into the feedback of the system. Yeah, I get that, but this is different. It's, I mean, plenty of games. Yeah. It's got to be one of those. Either that or they just did something really badly that I can't even fathom. Yeah. All right. I'm going to stop now even though I have more. But right. we do. We only fine. have a couple minutes left. I'm sad. I'm satisfied now. I'm kind of calming down a little bit. So we talked about Sony stuff at the top of the show. I want to get back to something else that we did not cover yet. Um, we all know that the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4 are coming out soon. 
by the way, since last week, Microsoft announced when it's coming out. It is, I don't know if I said this on the show or just in my head or to you, not during the, the recording or whatever, but I was thinking to myself, at least to myself, that the Xbox One can't wait all the way until the end of November. To, it certainly can't come out after November because I said it would be in November. It's not going to come out on the 15th like the PS4 is. So it's probably going to be exactly one week later. And that is exactly what's happening. It's coming out one week to the day after the PS4. So PS4 on the 15th, Xbox One on the 22nd. But it's in America. And by the way, the Xbox One has weird stuff going on. The like eight countries that were going to be released in Europe uh, you know, yeah. this year are not. They're getting delayed. Um, and meanwhile one of the important guys at Microsoft is saying that they're making so many consoles, they're like going to be ready. They've got plenty of them, no problems with quantity. They've been <laughs> making them for a while, no issues, which surprises me because then Europe wouldn't have this problem. Uh, but Sony, where Sony is in Japan, like that's their headquarters, and they're not releasing the PlayStation 4 in Japan for four months after the U.S. launch. No, we get it first. Yeah, that's three crazy. months, three months, excuse me. So it comes out two days after my birthday, February 22nd in Japan, which is crazy. And it makes me wonder why. And it can only be lack of hardware, which is weird because Japan is not a large audience in terms of volume. Um, or that it doesn't have the right games for the Japanese audience. They said something about some kind of software security or something, but who knows if that's a cover story or not. Now, nothing needs three months to be developed. And it can only be hardware limitations. Like they just don't have enough. And they're trying to fulfill American need. And that's, that's just another indicator that it's going to be rare and worth tons of money for resale. But um, very weird that there's such a huge, huge gap between the two, especially because it's their home territory. So think about that, and we'll be back next week. Good night, guys. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.